Well, hello and welcome everyone back to the Ironbound podcast. I am Kat Fink and today we're going to be leaning back into the second part of our interview with Mamie Young. Uh, If you missed the first part, just scroll on back and and check that out because it's well worth a listen Um, and we'll be kind of hopping right back into that conversation here today. So in this portion of the interview, Mamie, um, she speaks about several things, but one of the things that I found personally very interesting, of course, because of um, my own my own personal background and interests is she's talking about um, having her children arrive and giving birth to her son and particularly the logistics of needing to make it to the mainland and then make it to Halifax, um, so you're talking about a reasonable <laughs> boat ride and then a car ride to be able to um, go to the hospital to have your baby delivered. And uh, for me, as as I've mentioned previously in the podcast, I trained and worked for a time as a uh, a CPM, which is a certified professional midwife, which is a it's a qualification in the United States actually that is specifically trained for out-of-hospital birth. And so this is the only program through which you are trained specifically for that uh, circumstance. Obviously, there are other midwives who attend out-of-hospital birth, but um, the training in a CPM program is quite specific to that. So it's interesting for me to imagine being in this situation where you're on an island you don't have access readily to mm, standard medical care or to emergency health services. Um, obviously, a little bit later on, Ironbound is <clears throat> it's it's in the line that you could be airlifted out or you could be you know. But these are kind of modern things that we would even consider for the folks living on Ironbound during the era that Mamie's talking about you're kind of you're you have to rely on yourself and and the quote that she uh that she makes is just the lord was good like that's what she has to say about it she's like well you know we made out okay the lord was good and everything seems to have worked out fine which is um it's it's an amazing it's an amazing attitude to have and um we in the the situation that we are in um, we have we have the luxury in some ways of even feeling stressed about these things, which it seems. Uh, trust me, I'm I'm very in favor of having access to care, and uh, um, definitely think that we we're in a little bit of a pickle with our current medical system. And so, um, but it it is interesting to imagine being at a time where even thinking about things in the way that we currently do was a would have been very privileged position so whew, these folks roughy tufty um so yeah Mamie's talking about the day which that uh, her son Maynard was born and that you know she had the women of the island back on the beach waving their dish towels off to try and get the attention of the men in the boats and fortunately as she points out that particular day uh, the men were working the scene which is uh, 
it is a trap that is a sort of associated with the land of the island. It is, um, there's a line of nets that run from the island and then kind of funnel the fish into a, a circular pattern. And, and that means that they're close enough at hand that they were able to be waved in and that her husband knew he had a pretty good sense of, uh, what was going on. And so they went in, but the next quote that I found fabulous and telling from <laughs> the men's versus the women's perspective on things was, um, she points out that the fish were running quite strong at that time. They were very, very busy. And her husband kind of said, can you wait until Sunday <laughs> to have the baby? And she, <laughs> she's like, well, I can wait you know, ellipse, implied ellipse, dot, 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 like, I can wait, but, you know, this baby probably can't, so, and sure enough, you know, she did the whole uh, boat ride to the mainland, and then the whole car ride to Halifax from there, and uh, her baby was born that evening. So I find it interesting that, um, that Mamie was going to the mainland to have her her children and and the other women of her generation were as well and she does mention that it would have been one generation before that that the women were in fact um giving birth at home and just assisting one another the there was the doctor that would come from the mainland in that situation um in order to to help out and I guess within that one generation they would have found that shift that happened where the doctors were no longer doing the the house calls and people were expected to bring themselves to the hospital for birth um one of the beautiful things about this being a podcast and about me not being technically at all a historian is that a nobody else is my boss and so I'm I'm free for my own <laughs> my own opinions and my own so everything that I say is kind of just you know my opinion and uh, some of it's uh, actually quite well informed in these particular topics and similarly with me not being technically a historian I'm I'm open to conjecture and I can kind of follow my own little leery little theories and I will definitely let you know if this is just me spitballing or ruminating on something or if you know this is a well-sourced information but in in this circumstance I can say in a very well-sourced way and actually I will um add some attachments into the information for this podcast if you're interested on what the uh the statistics are for midwifery care in Canada right now because um, as I said, when we were kind of at the initial outset of making this podcast, one of the things that I think is interesting in looking at our past is it, it gives us some ideas of where we've come from and the, the ways that we have advanced well. And it also gives us some ideas that maybe we might want to revisit because it may have actually worked better than what it is that we are currently doing. <laughs> And one of the things that I think that there's a lot of really amazing backing for is midwifery care. And trust me, this is not me advocating for people to um, just give birth at home unattended or to not receive um, good quality 
well-educated prenatal care and postpartum care. I think these things are very, very important. But I think that when you look at the statistics in Canada right now, we have a lot of really well-executed studies that have happened over long periods of time that show that if uh, you receive good prenatal care to make sure that everything is healthy and that you... um, choose to give birth with a midwife either in the hospital or in out of hospital settings which is say in your own home and that's planned (laughs) the uh the outcomes are really excellent and um the babies are healthy the mothers are healthy the quality of that care is very very good and it's much less expensive than what we're currently doing with the majority of births in canada and um And I think that right now we're experiencing some crisis in the healthcare system and and realizing that we are stretched too thin and we aren't doing things in the way that is most cost effective, nor are we doing things in the way that is healthiest and best for our entire community. And something that I feel really strongly about is that one of the best ways that you can uh, have healthy people going forward in the world is to have them have good births. So both for the baby and for the mother, if you've got somebody who's trying to recover from a birth that was excessively physically traumatic, sometimes things happen and you require um, a higher level of medical intervention. And I'm very, very much in favor of that. I think that we have amazing technology and it's uh, brilliant that we have access to this type of care. But sometimes it is overused in a way that doesn't serve the mothers, either physically or emotionally. And when you have people coming out of such a big, impactful experience as the process of labor and birth is and you feel that it went very badly and you're feeling very traumatized by it which happens a lot more than people give credit for it sets people up to have a really tough time at the same time as they're trying to care for a little little baby and uh, you know there's I can go in a very deep dive about this but um, the long and the short is I think that there's something to be gleaned from the past and from um, from modern versions of the past again not advocating for uh, people not having good care but I believe that we have the availability to have high quality care in this country and we're not prioritizing it um, and we're not incentivizing it in a way that's uh, allowing it to kind of slip through the cracks and you end up, my own experience is that you end up with a lot of people who would like to have uh, midwifery care who aren't receiving that care or being turned away simply because we don't, our system isn't set up to have enough midwives and it's like well (laughs) if it would be less expensive and we could have improved outcomes um why wouldn't we prioritize making those programs larger so that's my little soapbox for today (laughs) um but i do believe in it strongly and i i do encourage you if you um if you don't agree with me or if you think that what i'm saying sounds 
quite incorrect and it doesn't make sense, I'd, I'd really encourage you to have a look at the uh, statistics that I will link in the description um, because I think you might be surprised at how obvious some of the solutions are and we're simply not implementing uh, plans that that really could make a big difference too if you're not worried about anything else like it would make a big difference to the financial side of our healthcare system and as an aside and the part that I really care I think it makes a huge difference to the uh, health and well-being of mothers and babies and I think that that's uh, the one of the most impactful ways that we can then allow these people to grow into um, healthier and happier adults if they're well cared for and they have um, parents who are able to care for them well at the outset of their lives. Okay, so moving on from that one, <laughs> um, I also found it really fascinating to listen to Mamie's discussion of kind of the day-to-day -day life and in particular there's a little comment that she makes in there when my mum asks her if that if she found the winters to be long. And trust me, we we all have found winters to be long in our in our lives and especially in this part of the world where things kind of get shut down. This year has been a little bit strange. But even with the grey setting in and with the darkness and with you know, all of these things that we're all very well aware of, it is pretty common to be like, oh, you know, you hear people who are really ready for winter to be over. And I found it fascinating to hear her say that, no, she was she was busy and she didn't really have time to to think about that. And there's something um, I think that there's something valuable in that, which trust me, you know, the what she's commenting on is the fact that she was milking her cow and churning her own butter and she had five children to take care of and she was having to uh, heat up the water and wash all of the clothing by hand and <laughs> that it was coming in off of the line frozen like a board and that you'd then have to hang it around your house to try and get it dry, etc. So I'm definitely, once again, not advocating for, guess we should just go back to this way of life and... Um, and then, then our mental health will <laughs> will blossom. Everything will be okay if we just get rid of all of our conveniences. No. But, but there is something to that being busy. And not only being busy just for the sake of being busy, but feeling like you are needed. And what you are doing is important and even even if you're talking about um, housework, which often kind of slips under the radar to a lot of people. It's one of the long ongoing issues in partnerships, especially is when the fact that housework tends to happen, it takes a lot of effort and then it just disappears because as soon as the clothing has been worn again it's dirty again as soon as the dishes are used the next time it's dirty again as soon as so it just it it's all this effort and then it immediately disappears and so it can be often underappreciated um, for people who are not the ones doing that work but if you're in a culture where you you do value the efforts of the 
people who are in your partnership with you, your, your husbands, your wives, if you see and understand that the work and the effort that they're putting in is just as valuable and is just as much work as what you're doing, then you feel valued and you feel like the work you're doing is important. And when you feel like what you're doing has value, it can make your life feel like it has value um and it's it's again it's a tough one to to lean into fully because obviously having some amount of leisure time and having some amount of freedom to be able to do the things that we just want to do like to to follow our bliss a little bit um is so wonderful and and can be so crucial to people's mental health because there's a lot of jobs that people do because they just need a job and they just need to make the money so that then you know life can continue on okay and that's fine like these things need to happen but there's there's really something to be said for not leaning in totally to um the life of minimal effort or the life of minimal output um and that's a it's a complicated thing to lean on I think it's a difficult thing for younger generations to fully appreciate because um there are a lot of things that you just don't you don't understand how proud you can feel and how of value and how important you can feel simply for creating a meal when it's easy to just pick something off the grocery shelf and stick it in the microwave and it's a meal and it's you know good it's good enough and everybody's content enough versus (laughs) if you've gone through the labor of having tilled and fertilized and you know dragged the manure and the seaweed onto a garden and then planted all the seeds and weeded and all the things required to grow food and then hunted or fished um, or raised the animals to be able to do a slaughter to all of the steps that are traditionally involved in creating food and are still required for us to have these convenient foods. It's just we've outsourced it so that somebody else is doing all of those steps that are the dirty work so that we get this like nicely packaged kind of plastic thing that comes off the shelf. But we've lost all emotional contact with what what that is. And I think part of the loss of that contact also loses the ability to feel pride in and to feel valued for what it is that you've created and um and there is a there is something that we're missing in that and again I don't know what the answer is (laughs) again my solution is not well we should just you know give up on the grocery store and we should all just go back to land and we should all you know Uh, the the world is marching forward and I'm not a purist who believes that we should all go back to the farm or that I'm not uh, anti-technology but I do think that it's important for us to find ways to balance things as we move forward into the future so that all of the things that we're doing 
to allow us as a species to move forward. Do not deprive us as all of the little parts that make up that species of feeling some amount of value and pride and meaning and sense of purpose in what it is that we do. So (laughs) we're getting a little deeper here today Um, and I'm going to start finding my soapbox. So I guess uh, there it is. I've I've thrown out a a couple of opinions and I'm sure that there's going to be plenty of folks who have counter opinions or, um, or things that they want to say. So feel free to send me um, uh, little responses. There's uh, the email address for the podcast is ironboundpodcast at gmail.com. And I would love if you have some of your own short stories, try to keep them under two minutes, um, that you have been reminded of or that were similar to this type of uh, living. If you had a, a birth that was on an island uh, in the middle of the 19th century or, you know, something like this, or you have some of your own um, ideas or feedback that you'd like to give to the podcast, I'd love if you wanted to share. The best way that you can do that actually is to record a voice memo uh, on your phone. So there's the voice memo app, just record a voice memo and then email that to me because those are going to come out a much better quality recording than if I had um, an answering machine. So maybe we'll start including some little uh, some little story clips from people who are listening to the podcast and that could be very interesting as well. And also feel free to uh, to rebut some of my uh, my claims or my thoughts or my ideas and uh, we can include some of those going forward as well. So without further ado, I am going to, Uh, play you this portion of the interview with Mamie Young. And once again, I am going to remind you that uh, at the time of this interview, Mamie was living in in an assisted care facility. And so you hear some voices of other people in the background and um, some coughing and things like that. And it might seem a little bit confusing if you're wondering where those other voices are coming from. So it is in the recording and um, you don't have a random person coughing in the back room of your house. So yeah, without further ado, thanks so much for joining me and here we go. Yeah, it was good that way. Yeah, there were 39 people lived there at one time. Yeah. Now it's only... Yeah, just Bill and, and Trish. Yeah. yeah, it's quite a big difference. Yeah. It's yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> um, so you had you had a cow and you had chickens. Yeah. Oh yes, and a pig. <laughs> and a pig. Yeah. Yeah. And we always and killed. piglets. No, no, we just had the pig and we killed that every fall. Yeah. And then got a new one in the spring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or after that, I mean, little one, but we we didn't. Uh... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so did your grandparents come out? Sometimes, yeah. They did. Yeah. When uh, I forget which child it was, I had my grandmother came out and, and stayed with the older ones, you know. Yeah. And there was she. There was a girl from down home, a fourteen-year-old girl, that came out and stayed with her, you know. 
Yeah, she used to go out quite often. Because, see, she was from Tan Cook herself. Oh, she was? Yeah, my grandmother. Okay. Yeah, was okay. from, from Little Tan Cook. She was a Levy before she married. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to say, what organizations did you and the other women on Ironbound uh, did you have organizations? Well, we used to do things for the Red Cross. The Red Cross. Yeah, we made quilts and stuff during the war years, you know. Yeah, I made that. Now, I had never done any quilting, but I, I helped to try to sew as much as I could. But, but I knit. Um, you can see I still knit. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you're a big knit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, the, the, so you'd knit or you'd do whatever you could. Yeah, that's right. Made quilts during the war years. And... Uh, it was when they bought the t no, I guess they sewed the parts together. But you, we would stick it, and it was filled with them. It was like a puff, with a wool. You'd card the wool, but well, we used to buy the wool from down in Bayswater, and you put that between, and then you'd you'd stick it to hold it, you know, here and there with the with a tie. The, a tie, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And okay. We made those and donated them during the war years. Yeah. Yeah. We all worked together for, at that. Yeah. And, and even afterwards, did you continue afterwards, or did no? I don't think we did afterwards. We just did it during the war years, you know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because then, well, like me, by the first thing I had more children. There was no time to do those no, things. No, no. I mean, yeah. really. Yeah. Did you ever have help during that time? Did anybody ever come and help you when you were had all the kids? Marion, Isaac's sister, Marion was a. She was so good to me. <coughs> She'd come down many an afternoon. Uh -huh. yeah, and she uh -huh. used to say, Now, don't you let Dad know that I'm down here. <laughs> oh, she was so good. Not that he would have cared, but I guess he would have thought, she thought that he thought she should have been home doing work, you know. But she was so good to me. Yeah. Yeah. Marion was a, a really good friend. Yes. Well, everybody was because yes. we all got along yes. so well, you know. Yeah. But she was good. She sort of sneak down, <laughs> helped me lots of times. Yeah. Well, and you needed the help. Yes, I did, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you, you had to wash by hand and, and everything, you know, scrub and board. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this yeah. time of the year, trying to dry clothes? Yeah, you bet your life, oh. yeah. So you, you were here. You'd often bring them in off of the line, and they were stiff as boards. <laughs> and then you're hanging stuff all over the house. Yeah, in order to get it dry, mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So were you... in? Uh, did you have to bring wood in for yourself, or did you have... No, we no. Malcolm cut the wood on Iron uh -huh. Man. He cut his own wood. Yeah. He used to always... Well, when the children got old enough, they'd fill the wood box, you know, like yeah. that. But he'd always fill the yeah. wood box, because we had yeah. a wood furnace, you know. Yeah. Later, not right first, but later. Okay, so... First, we just had the kitchen stove. That was right. the thing right. to hold, yeah. yeah. And then, when Malcolm bought Percy's part of the house, then we were able to get a furnace and put him down, you know, down the basement. Yeah. Or first, you see, Malcolm's father and Beatrice's father owned the house together. Yes. That was, that was Mr. Yeah. Uri's house, yeah. 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 And then we remodeled after that, yeah. Right, mm -hmm. okay, yeah. And then you're running up and downstairs to load wood into and the that's furnace. That's right, yeah. I know yeah. all about that. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> you certainly would. So and we had some coal, you'd buy coal. But I didn't like that. We'd buy it and put it in the kitchen stove, but when you take the cover off, oh, oh yeah, I know what you mean. It's so dirty, you know. Yeah. 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 So you did have some coal coming in. Oh, yes, we yeah. had some coal coming in, you know. Didn't buy much, but we bought some for in the winter, you know. Yeah. yeah. And in those years, you had no, there were no windbreaks, there were no trees. No, I'm just going to say, when we, where we lived, we were right in the, in the middle of it, yeah. 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 
so when the wind cut across through there, it was yeah. cold. Mm. It was really cold, yeah. It certainly was. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, did you find winters long? Not in a manner, because we had so many things to do, you know. Yes. Because we had cattle to milk and like that, and you, you churned your own butter and all like that. Made your own butter. and So you, you were busy. Yes, and every then, day made some yeah, work. And then you knit, I mean, Malcolm, the alderman, you see, I'm still knitting there, my sock. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, and you knit stuff, mitten socks and mittens for them, for the, uh -huh. made. that's your time to knit to have them for the next year, you know, yeah. 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 Are there any favorite stories that you have from, that you can think of? <laughs> I only know about the time that uh, Maynard was coming. He came three weeks earlier than was planned, and the men were all out. Luckily, they were out. They had brought the gear home from up around Nuremberg Way, their trap. And that day, they were setting a scene behind uh, Ironbound. And where we lived, we could see back to this Cove Way, you know. And the men were back there. And of course, that night, I wasn't feeling very well during the morning when Malcolm went. And of course, Beatrice came, and they had to go back and wave towels for them to come ashore. Malcolm said, I know. He said, what, what's wrong? He said, Mamie wasn't very well all night. And Walter had to come with him because Malcolm couldn't drive in the city. So the two of those had to come home. And, and we, the time we got in Halifax, it was 12 o'clock. And Maynard was born 7.53 that night, <laughs> that evening. Yeah. Whoa. So, so we were just there in time, yeah. But he, was, he wasn't supposed to be born until the middle of June. He was born the 26th of May. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, so. But luck happened, you know. It's, everything seemed to work out well. Uh -huh. That we could see them and wave to them to come home, you know. Gee. Yeah. Gee. Yeah. So, so he wasn't too terribly small? No, 7'7". Seven, seven. Oh, he yeah. was a big fellow? He was the biggest one I had, yeah. And uh, Marina, my third one, she was only six pounds. And she always, when I say now, that she was my smallest. I They were like 6'6 six, six and 6'5 six, like that, except Maynard was 7'7". Seven, seven. And she always said, now tell them I'm your biggest one today. And she is. <laughs> the one that only weighed six pounds, she's the biggest today. Uh-huh. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> she always says that. Yeah. 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 Um, but as far as uh, medical emergencies or... We were lucky that way. Yeah. The Lord was good. That's yes. all you can say. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like, well, the, some, one of the men said one time, he said, I don't know if it was Isaac or who it was, but it was one of the men. He said, you're not supposed to get sick <laughs> when it was stormy, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He said, you're not supposed to get sick when, when it's stormy. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that was true as far as, yeah, as, far right. as when the children came. Yes, that's right. Well, I was lucky. I got away in, in time, but Maynard, I did just, was just the, that I did get away. I went yeah. down to uh, my grandmother's on the, Saturday afternoon and uh, Monday morning, uh, the minister from down there, they used to, he and his wife stayed with my grandparents, so he was going into Halifax that morning, and I knew where I was going to stay until I went into Grace, and anyway, uh, I think, I said to my grandmother, I think I better go in along with them, and I'll be in Halifax. Well, that night, Mayor was born 7.53, <laughs> so it was a good job I had gone, yeah. 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 You can't. It's like you when, can't plan babies. No, it's like when Malcolm said he came up to the house, he was going to take me down in the middle of the week, you know, when Maynard was coming, and they had a lot of 
Heron that fall because he was born in uh, well, he was born May, not fall, but spring. And uh, anyway, he came up and he said I, he was going to take me down in the middle of the week. And he came up and he said, "Do you think you can wait till Sunday?" <laughs> I said, "I can." <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> Because he was going to take me, and they were so busy, you yeah. know. Mm -hmm. He said, do you think you can wake this on me? <laughs> I said, I can. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> that, that, was, that, was, that was the song. Yes, yes, exactly. Wait till the weekend when yes. you weren't busy. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> it was funny, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, I'll tell you, yeah. <clears throat> You must have had a little taste of that on Iron Bound. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I did. Well, actually, when uh, I was pregnant with Jason, and Jason was due the end of January, Jen, he actually, he was due the end of December, but he was overdue. And I was, I can remember standing there on the Iron Bound looking off, and the, everything was going sideways. You Look know what that. I mean? Yeah. yeah. I was thinking, boy, I. Yeah. Not now. No. <laughs> You'll be glad when you get on the mainland. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because it's true. It's yeah. There's a oh. lot of water between you. You bet your life there is there more is. than I wanted. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. Did you mind being in the boats? Oh, I was always scared to death. I think it's because my father was drowned in all of them. Okay. And I think that's what made because I was only nine years old when there was five of them drowned. And I think that left an impression that I was always scared of the water. Yes. Oh, yes. when we'd go down home on weekends, in, even in the summertime, when we'd come up past White Point, it would be rough, you know, and the wind yes. would be southwest then coming. Oh, I'd be so scared I'd cry. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah. I said I shed many tears, many tears in the boat, just even going short to, to New Harbor, I used to get so frightened. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's hard. When you... And one time we were going, well, we had to go because Maynard had a, he had something on his cheek and it got, he, I guess he rubbed it and got sore, uh -huh. and we had to take him to the doctor. And I'll never forget, um, I said, Perlis, do you think it's fit to go? I knew we had to, but Perlis said, well, you got a good boat. He said, that's all I can tell you. <laughs> but it was, oh, it was windy. But I knew Maynard had to go, you know. Because I don't think any doctor would have come out, and it was it was really getting. He picked it or something. It was. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was a cold sore or something, but mm -hmm. he had to. He needed he, medical. He attention. needed medical attention. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You never ran into too many toothaches or things like that. No, no, they were lucky. You know, well, see, they they used we used to take them for their checkups. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they were lucky. Yeah. 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 So out on the island, if you had something needed looking after, just ordinary, it was it was Margaret you'd go to, wasn't it? Yeah, Margaret or well, Mrs. Annabeth was the first one. I mean, she yes, was, she when would, she would she would help out, you know. Yes. I think I think that she helped Malcolm's mother with with Walter when he was born, if I'm not mistaken. You're right. Yeah. That's what Beatrice, I yeah. guess, yeah. as well. Yeah, that yeah. she was the midwife. Yeah. Um, Charlie put it this way. He said. Uh, yeah, she says uh, Annabeth was the baby person on the island. The baby person on the island. I yeah, said, okay. I guess she was. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yes, yeah, she did. Yeah. Yeah, she did a lot of that. That yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I remember uh, Malcolm's mother telling me that when I think it was when Walter was born that 
Mrs. Annabelle said come up and helped him. By the time the doctor got there, she said he just said, when he liked this with his hands, good job, good job, good job. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder whether she got his feet. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows, right, yeah. Who knows? yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that probably is why um, Margaret talked about doing some stitching up and so forth. And oh, she did yes, some I guess. Stitches yeah. and so yeah. forth where people cut themselves. And, yeah, oh, and Margaret, kind of, she was strong. She could do, you know, she didn't mind doing things like that. For some people, it was kind of chicken, you know. Oh, yeah. But not Margaret, yeah. no. Yeah. yeah. No, Margaret was very good like that. And she had a, uh, some tutoring. If she, yeah. If she had Annabeth to sort of That's right, yeah. to show her the way. And one year we didn't get a teacher until November, I think it was. And the children used to go over to her place and she she helped them with the work, yeah, until we got a teacher in November. That's right. That was when they had permissive teachers, you know. Yeah. What's a permissive teacher? Well, you you could teach if you had your grade 11 and you didn't have to go to normal. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, uh, they had one. I think they had a couple of there were permissive teachers. If you had your grade 11, you could... You could teach school. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. So you didn't have to go through normal, or or you went later at when you were able, or did you eventually have to go to get to the mainland? To, you to mean? the mainland to go to permissive? Or? Uh, no, 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 you didn't have to. They came. They we had teachers there in the school. You know, yeah. Maynard was the only one went to the mainland for school. He, he got his grade eleven and twelve in center school in Lunenburg. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Same with Robert. Yeah. And Philip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the older the ones. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I would imagine the Colleen went ashore also. Yes, yeah, she did too, because she boarded with somebody in Chester. I think she went right. to Chester School. Right. Now Maynard went to Lunenburg because he he boarded with the, the Randalls up in Lunenburg. because we knew Mr. and Mrs. Sinclair Randall, yeah. and they boarded Maynard. Yeah. Oh, so he went for eleven and twelve at Center School. That's how he got to Lunenburg. Yeah. All right, folks, so that's where we're going to leave it for today. Um, on the next episode, we'll have the last section of this interview with Mamie Young, and then we'll be moving on to who knows mystery guests in the future. If you have something that you'd like to add to the conversation or um, comments or questions, you can write to me at ironboundpodcast at gmail.com and if you have a story of your own that you think you'd like to share and you can do so in say two minutes um, please use the voice memos app on your phone and then you can just email the file and I'll be able to um, include some of these stories in the podcast and finally, if you're enjoying these stories, if you're enjoying the, the show in general, and you'd like to offer your support, um, there are tiers on my Patreon page that are just three or five dollars a month, and it helps a lot towards keeping the lights on and um, kind of keeping this project going, which I am hoping to do for a good long while. So um, it's patreon.com forward slash catfink and head on over there and check out the page. You'll see some of the other projects that I've got going on as well. And that's it for today. So thanks so much for joining me and we'll see you down the road. Bye.